Welcome to the Breath Magazine podcast. Learn more about Breath Magazine and sign up for our newsletter to receive the latest news and updates at our website, breathmagazine.com. And now for today's episode. Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Romans 12, verse 1. Today we're going to preach on the renewing of the mind. Now, this one's going to be a little bit different because I'm going to preach topically. We're going to go from Romans, we're going to be in John, we're going to go to Peter, in different verses like that to drive home, uh, really, the main point of the message. Usually what we do is we take one big block of Scripture and we deal with all the ins and outs and the interpretation, but this message is a little bit different, but actually it's going to be just as good. So I am reading out of the King James today. Um... Let's start. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now stop there a minute. I just want you to notice something because most people pass this over without seeing it. Notice that Paul is writing to brethren, which is plural. He's writing to brothers, his Roman brothers, uh, Roman Christian brothers in Rome. And he says, present your bodies, and that is plural too, a living sacrifice, and that is singular. Paul is telling the Christians to present their bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, one living sacrifice, not living sacrifices. When you get into the Word, you see that really uh, the Lord is concerned about His body, the body of Christ as a family, not so much individual Christians or individual growth. He's into the growth of the body as a whole. And here, you see that just with this one line in this verse that says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, meaning that individual Christians are sacrificing their bodies for the good of the body of Christ as a whole. So, no charge for that one. Let's go to verse 2. Paul writes, and be not conformed to this world. The word world there in the Greek is age. Paul writes that we live in an evil age. Why? Because Jesus hasn't come back yet. There is a Satan on the loose, and there are evil spirits here, and the world is still corrupt. So we live in an evil age, and he says, Do not be conformed to this world or this age, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or understand what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in the Greek, it's your, uh, well, actually, that one is mind. We get to another verse where it's thoughts. So, you see that the Christian has to have a renewed mind to be transformed, what? to be transformed and not conformed to the age. So, 
one thing that we're going to do in the message is kind of give the background to that, to, uh, to give you what the spiritual strength and the framework to walk this out. So with this text in mind, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2, because I want you, I, I want to put you in remembrance of where you came from, of what you were before you were born again. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, And you, meaning every one of us, were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked, or you lived, according to the course of this world. And again, that is the, uh, in the Greek it's according to the age of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, or the authority of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, or the sons of unbelief, among whom also we all, we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and this is where The mind in the Greek is thoughts, the desires of the flesh and the thoughts, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others or like the rest of mankind. Now, that is not a very pretty picture, but that is the world as we know it. This is why Jesus came to be crucified on the cross and resurrected to save us in this state while we were like this and many of us have been christians for a long time and we forget that this is exactly the way that we lived before we were born again we were under the dominion of the prince of the power of the air and even though it sounds kind of spooky in a way it's really the truth that we were animated by that spirit. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but we were animated by the prince of the power of the air. That's where uh, in the King James, it says the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience or the sons of unbelief, it is um, the word works can be translated animated or energized. So think about this a minute. The people that you know who are not Christians, the people who have not been born again, even though they might be socially polite and politically astute and all that stuff, this is how they are in the world today. This is how we all were in the world before we got saved, animated by the Spirit. We were uh, had our conversation are uh, once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of the flesh and the thoughts, and were by nature children of wrath. Very ugly picture, but that is, that is the fact. That is the way that the world is, and that is 
That is one reason why we have to preach the gospel, to bring people out from under that. And that's why we're still in the, in the world today. Now, well, and I've got in my notes, um, like the rest of mankind, you know, King James says, even as others. So what Paul says here, we were just like everybody else who is walking the face of the earth. And this is the picture of everybody walking on the face of the earth. Now, turn over to John 3, and we want to examine this, because this is where change happens. This is part of the framework of where we are today standing as Christians. This is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Now, let's read. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. He was scared. And said unto him, Rabbi, I know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now, Jesus cuts to the chase immediately. I mean, you know, one, one cool thing about the Bible is that it's so, uh, it's so set in the way that people act you know, here's Nicodemus, and he, you know, scurries out at night and finds Jesus. And what's he do? Well, he builds him up. You know, he's, oh, hey, hey, Rabbi, you are the one. We know that you are from God because blah, 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 blah. And Jesus cuts right to the chase with him. And he says this. In the Greek, it's amen, amen. It's not verily, verily. He said, amen, amen. Or truthfully, I say you, except a man be born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now stop there and take that in a minute. These are red letters. This is Jesus talking, and he says this. No man's going to see the kingdom of God unless he is born from above. No qualifications to that, no exceptions, there's no plan B, C, or D, anything like that, a man has to be born from above. King James says born again, and that's because the translators went down and they kind of transplanted uh, Nicodemus's response back into that verse. The Greek says born from above, and that's important as we go through this. Now, Nicodemus is taken aback by this. You know, he's like, puts on the brakes, and he's like, wait, wait a minute. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus doesn't miss a beat, and he says, amen, amen. Truthfully, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, or don't be surprised that I tell you that you must be born from above. And then he says, the wind blows where it lists, and you hear the sound, but you can't tell where it came from and where, where, where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And what he's saying there is, 
There's a real change there. There's an objective fact there, but you see the effects of it. You can't see it with your own eyes. Basically, it's a spiritual rebirth. It's not what Nicodemus is saying about re-entering his mother's womb. Again, there aren't any qualifications here, no, no exceptions or anything like that. It is, you've got to be born from above. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul describes being born from above, and he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now, that's King James. In the Greek, he writes this, therefore, if any man be in Christ, new creation. It's an exclamation in the Greek. I mean, it's kind of like Paul's thinking and he's writing, if any man be in Christ, and then he just blurts out, new creation. Being born from above is being completely recreated in the spirit. And the thing is, it's an objective spiritual fact. You go back to what Jesus said about the wind. The wind doesn't make believe and the wind isn't psychological. It is objective. Now, you, you can measure the wind in the natural, but what he's getting at is, oh, there's an objective fact here of spiritual rebirth. It's just that you're not going to see it with the naked eye, but you're going to see the effects of it. Amen. And that's what we're getting into with the renewed mind. Now, a man is born from above. He's a new creation, and that's not the only thing that happens to him. Paul says in Colossians 1.13, he says, who has delivered us from the power or the dominion of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? Talking about God. Now stop and think about what he's actually saying here. Who has delivered us from the dominion of darkness? Well, that's what we read in Ephesians 2. Everyone is under the dominion of darkness. And that's where we were, but he says we were delivered from that and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, there is something to kingdom. You don't hear a whole lot of teaching on this. I don't know why not, because it's part and parcel of being part of the new creation. But when you are born again, you are translated into a brand new kingdom. You're no longer under the dominion of darkness. That's huge. Think about a kingdom. It's got its own citizenship. It's got its own currency. It's got its own aims and purposes. It's got its own king. The king of our kingdom is the one who gave himself over for us. And that tells us what this kingdom is all about. It's all about selflessness. So you've been recreated and you've been translated into this kingdom that exists not only in heaven, but actually exists on earth because you're a citizen of this kingdom. Now, when you're a citizen, when you've been translated, that means that you're not a citizen of the former kingdom anymore. 
Now, take a step back from that and think about it a minute. What was important to the kingdom or the dominion of darkness is not important to you anymore. What drives that kingdom, the motivations in that kingdom, the passions of the flesh and of the mind and all that kind of stuff, that's not important to you anymore because you're not in that kingdom anymore. You're in a brand new kingdom. You've got a brand new Lord. You have a brand new king. And what do citizens of kingdoms do? They live to please their king. They don't live to please other kings. Other kings mean nothing to them. No, they care about the king of their own kingdom. Now, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want you to see something that's uh, actually real helpful for us. It's not helpful for the Corinthians, but it's helpful for us. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. And to give you a little bit of background about the Corinthians, he says to them, you come behind in no spiritual gift whatsoever. These were born again, baptized, baptized in the Spirit, full gospel Christians. But look at what he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. It's chilling. He says, And I, brethren... Couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual or as unto spiritual ones. So basically, you're not spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. They hadn't developed. What had they done? Well, they were spirit filled, they're born again, but they hadn't renewed their minds to the new kingdom and to the kingdom's aims and to the kingdom purposes. Paul calls them meatheads. He said, I can only speak to you as unto carnal, meaning what? The passions of the flesh. They weren't leaving them. They weren't giving ground to the new man in Christ. They were giving ground to the old passions of the flesh. That's a poor commentary on Christians. Paul writes and says, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, and you're not able to now. For you are yet carnal. You're still a meathead. You are still in the flesh. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men. Now, of course they're walking as men. They are men, you know, but you understand from the context, he's not talking about just walking as a natural man, you know, uh, as a physical man. He's talking about walk as men, as we read in Ephesians 2. Aren't you walking as mere men? You've been born again. You've been baptized in the spirit. And are you still not walking as you were in the past. They hadn't renewed their minds. They hadn't given any place to the new kingdom. And this shows us that Christians can do that. 
And if you look across the body of Christ, you might, you, you might come to the conclusion that the vast majority of Christians fit the bill of these Corinthians here. So what were they supposed to do? Well, we go over to Colossians 3. They were to, supposed to put on the new man, recognize the new creation, recognize where they were now, having been translated into a brand new kingdom. Listen to what Paul writes here in Colossians 3. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. That's the spiritual unregenerate a man that was on the inside. And, he, and Paul writes, And have put on the new, the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after him, in the, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or, nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Notice this. I mean, they had the same, the, the same ideas back then as the world does today. The world hasn't changed. Where there were distinctions of Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, free, you name it. The world's still dealing with that. But you know, when you're a new creation in Christ, you look beyond that. You, you look, you put on the new man, and you don't look on people according to the flesh. Amen. But you have to put the new man on. That's part of the renewing of the mind. Being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. You know, Paul writes that he who has not the spirit of Christ is none of his talking about the reborn human spirit. Well, you have to recognize that spirit in your mind, in your soul. Otherwise, you're going to fall back into being what we saw with the Corinthians, where, you know, the spiritual preacher comes in and says, well, all you guys are carnal. I can't even talk to you as under spiritual. You haven't renewed your mind. You guys are still like little babies, you need to grow up. You need to grow up and renew your mind so you can walk out your citizenship in the kingdom. Amen. Now turn over to John 8 because I want to I show you just how important this is and kind of where you stand when it comes to the body of Christ. I mean, it's something else. Here, Jesus is speaking to Pharisees who are Jews. Now, this is before his resurrection, but of course they're in sin. But listen to what he tells them. I mean, these are God's chosen people. And he says unto them, you are from below or from beneath. Consistent with Ephesians 2, isn't it? And he says, I am from above. You're of this world. I am not of this world. He makes a huge contrast between the Pharisees, God's chosen people, and himself. Now, Jesus was and is God's unique son. We, we read that in John. 
But compare this to what he told Nicodemus. Except a man be born from above. And what's he say here? I'm from above. He tells the Pharisees, you're from below. You're of this world. He says, I'm not of this world. The fact is, the born-again believer is not of this world either. Actually, in the same sense, you see it here with the language of Jesus. He has been born again with the Spirit of Christ, the reborn human spirit. The thing is, the renewing of the mind is acting that way, is knowing that and acting that way. Amen. Because you see here with Jesus, he didn't sink down to the Pharisees' level. He recognized the distinction. And that's something that a lot of Christians don't do. They don't recognize the distinction between themselves and those who have not been born again that they, you know, contact in their daily life. In fact, you hear it all the time. Well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. There's nothing different about me except for that. And here we go through scriptures and know there's a whole lot different. You're part of another kingdom. And that's part of the renewing of the mind. Skip over to Peter, 1 Peter 2. Peter writes this, and he is writing to Christians. And he makes a distinction there too. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, you could turn that around for those who are not born again and say, you are not a chosen generation, you have no priesthood, you're not a holy nation, and you're not a peculiar people. You're like the rest of everybody else. But Christians are different. And in the Spirit, it's objective. There is a difference between sheeps, sheep, not sheeps, sheep and goats. And the Lord knows who his kingdom members are and those who are not. It's clear in Scripture. And actually, as Jesus told Nicodemus, it's clear in the Spirit. So Peter writes, We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We are different than the rest of mankind. He goes further and says that you should show forth the praises of him who has what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are different from the guy down the street. The unregenerate guy who is living in the passions of his flesh and of his own thoughts. Now this is where he makes, he shows the distinction which in time past, were not a people. You were not a people, just like everybody else. But now are the people of God. You were part of those who had, not, who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Now, this is what I want to get to. This is the zinger in the passage. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstained from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. 
one part about being uh, the renewed mind, one part of it is seeing yourself as the strangers and pilgrims you are. Because once you're translated into the kingdom of his dear son, you're no longer a citizen of the kingdom of darkness, but you're still walking the earth. So you're not like everybody else. You are a stranger, a pilgrim. You are, you are an alien and an exile. And what does Peter say? Abstain from the passions of the flesh that wage against your soul. Abstain from them. You don't act like the citizens of the different dominion, the different kingdom. Amen. And they war against your soul. Why? Because your mind, your soul is being renewed as you walk out the faith. Now, you, verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, or honest basically among the world, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. What he's talking about there is the day of judgment. That's the day of visitation. Where they will look at you and they, will, they won't speak evil of you, but they'll, what? Behold your good works and glorify God. In fact, they'll, they'll, they'll have to confess They'll have to confess about seeing the saving grace and the saving knowledge of God, not in heaven, but here on the earth, because you've renewed your mind and you're walking it out. Amen. Now, let me go to Romans 6. And you can, uh, you can download the notes from this. But let me read this, because this is written to Christians too. This is Paul, and he's writing in the same way, in the same vein that Peter is. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. This is another way of saying you need to walk out your citizenship in heaven here on the earth. Reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, unto the old dominion, unto the old man. You've been recreated in Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your immortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. The world doesn't have any choice in that. That's what the world does. That's what we read about. They are animated to do that. And they don't have any power not to because they haven't been saved. They haven't been born again. But what Paul writes here is, you don't let sin reign in your mortal body where you obey its lust like in days past. And you do that by the power of the Spirit, the recreated Spirit on the inside. That's part of the renewing of the mind. Instead of thinking that, well, 
I am a prisoner in this body. You put the body under because you're living for another kingdom. Amen. Now, going back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Well, we just finished reading from Paul, where he says, present your, the members of your body as instruments of righteousness. This is another way of saying that. Think of it this way. The sons of unbelief, they're not offering their bodies as a living sacrifice to anybody. But you as a Christian are to do that. That's part of the renewing of the mind. In fact, Paul writes here, which is your reasonable service. That is something that you should be doing as an ordinary service to the Lord. You know? Why? Because it all comes back to you're part of a family now. You know? A living sacrifice unto the family of God. Amen. You're not living to yourself anymore. You're not living in the passion of your own uh, flesh. You're what? You're living out the desires of the Lord through the Spirit. Totally different outlook. Totally different perspective. What drives the world does not drive you. What motivates the world does not motivate you. What the world gets into means nothing to you. That's part of the renewed mind. You might be walking the earth the same as the guy down next door, but your motivations and aims are totally different. What you value is different from what he values. Because he's looking to the passions of his flesh while you're looking to your recreated spirit and serving out the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. You don't need to turn there, but in Philippians 3.18, let me just read this to you because it's, it's pretty chilling too. Paul writes, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Now think about that a minute. Is that you as a Christian? No. You know, you're not an enemy of the cross of Christ. Your end is not destruction. Your God is not your belly. And you don't mind earthly things, but that's part of the renewed mind. You mind heavenly things. You mind the things that are important to your Lord. The things of the earth are strangely dim. Why? Because they're not your motivation anymore. Amen. And Paul writes, for our conversation is in heaven. That is part of the renewed mind. You look to what heaven wants, not on the things of the earth. Amen.
says, for our conversation, actually in the Revised Standard Version, but our commonwealth, our commonwealth, our kingdom is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the meantime, while we await him, we walk out his kingdom impulses, the kingdom agenda here on the earth. Amen. Now, I'm getting, getting close to closing. Let me, uh, let me bring two more scriptures to your attention just based upon the renewed mind. Turning to Galatians 6-7, Paul writes this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit of the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, he's writing to Christians. We know from what we read that the unregenerate man, he, he can't sow in the Spirit. He can't sow to reap life everlasting because he hasn't been born again. He hasn't been born from above. What he sows, he's going to reap destruction. But but Paul is writing to Christians here, and it it is a general statement, but it's applicable to the Christian walk because we see that with the Corinthians. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption or destruction. Walking out the faith, you don't want to be like the Corinthians, where you are, what, sowing to the flesh. Sowing to the flesh is minding worldly things, earthly things. The renewed mind is knowing that sowing to the Spirit, you reap life everlasting. Now, there might be times where in the natural, in the earth, where you do things in the natural and you, quote, lose out in the natural, but you know that you have sowed in the Spirit and you're reaping treasures in the Spirit, treasures in the kingdom. If God speaks to you to do something where you lose, say, money in the natural, you know that you are reaping rewards in the Spirit. That is sowing in the Spirit. That is a different mindset. You're not looking for a profit in the natural. You're looking for a reward in the Spirit. That's part of the renewed mind. And what does Paul say in verse 9? And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What he's saying there is a note of encouragement. Yes, you might lose in the natural. God might need your mammon for something, and you don't get that mammon back right away, or actually ever. But you have sown it in the Spirit. You know, Jesus said, use your mammon to win eternal friends. You're sowing to the Spirit. It is a different mindset. So, 
you might be doing something in the natural where what? Where the purpose is to reap in the spirit, although the guy down next door who's unregenerate is doing the exact same thing, but he's looking to reap in the natural. He will reap corruption. Amen. Okay, final verse. Galatians 6.14. This is a verse that you can meditate on for months and months and just scratch the surface of it. But it's important to read and it's important to know and it's important for the believer's mindset. Paul writes this, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me stop there a minute and let me dwell on this just a minute. One thing that's pre- that's very rarely preached about the cross is Jesus laying down his life for the will of the Father. He did not live unto himself, but he lived to please the Father. And the Father's plan was that he be crucified in order to save sinners. That's in 1 Timothy. So he didn't live unto himself. Paul says, Forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul didn't live unto himself after his road on the Damascus experience. He poured himself out. He lived the life of the cross that way. Amen. And that is the coin of the kingdom. We live, being born again, we live in a kingdom of selflessness where we don't think of ourselves, but we think of others and we think of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the coin, the currency of our kingdom. Amen. So keep that in mind. Let's go to the next part of the verse. And this is, boy, this is the jugular. By whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Let me read that again. By whom the world, and actually it should be, has been crucified unto me and I unto the world. When you start digging into this, you see that the world had nothing for Paul. Paul said, the world is dead to me. It holds nothing for me. There's nothing for me to be gained from the world, from its system, from anything operating in it, for any of its aims, purposes, its pursuits, or any of that. All that is dead to me. And then he turned around and says, and I am dead to the world too, because I don't share in it. I am not part of that dominion. I am not part of the kingdom. I am different. I have been bought with a price, and I am not my own. I, he says, am a slave of Christ. That's part of the renewed mind. And that's where you prove out the good, the acceptable, and and mature will of God by having this attitude that the world is crucified to you. The Corinthians didn't have that attitude. 
When you read the book of Corinthians, you see that they are spirit-filled believers who are trying to ingratiate the gospel into their worldly ambitions. And Paul had to remind them that we preach a crucified Christ, meaning a Christ that laid down all his life to do the will of the Father. Well, that is part and parcel of the renewed mind. So, as we saw, a a Christian is not just a sinner saved by grace. A Christian is a man or woman who has been born from above and who has been translated into the kingdom and into the family of God. And everything has changed. He might look the same on the outside, but he's nothing like the same on the inside. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to put on the new man and walk that out. And that is walking out the renewed mind. Amen. Let me, uh, let me end with a benediction. And may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calls you who will also do it. Amen.